there's been a lot of stuff in the news also with the colleges, which I find to be very fascinating as well. I was listening to uh, one of the talk shows. I don't remember which one it was. It's one of those conservative ones on the AM dial. Uh, they were talking about, uh, they were actually, they, play, they were playing clips of an interview from NPR with a, a professor of sustainability. Professor of sustainability. Now, I don't know about you, but when I went to college, I didn't think you could major in sustainability. I mean, it's kind of crazy. But there was a professor of sustainability. And uh, this woman was very, very fascinating to listen to uh, because as the conversation, she was very, very concerned in terms of sustainability with global warming or, glo or climate change or whatever the phrase is this week that the uh, Democrats would like to call it because it's nonsense. Um, so she was very, very concerned about that. And, she, and the, the interviewer said, well, what do you think creates the biggest carbon imprint? And she said, that would be having a child. Because having a child, when you have that child, you see, you don't know how much impact they will have on the environment. And so the thing that's, that's the, 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 the most important thing for her would be that the children actually are causing a lot of this. And uh, so um, at the interview said, well, are you married? No, I'm a, I have a fiance. We're getting married. Are you going to have children? Well, I'm debating that issue because of what I said. So this is how extreme you get on the left. In other words, you won't have children. Because you think that there's a global climate change occurring, which it is. It always does. But that's, that's where they are with it. It's unbelievable. Then you get into other things about colleges. It says here, colleges um, pay diversity officers more than professors and staff. Diversity officers. You ever hear of such a thing? Diversity officers. So basically, top, top public universities, I'm not talking about little organizations, they pay, they pay their administrators, um, let's see, uh, in related to diversity uh, initiatives, the average of about $175,000 a year. So if you're a diversity officer in a major college, that's it and around the medium, uh, or if you're normal, or <laughs> Uh, average uh, amount that you would get paid a year, hundred about $175,000. And that's way more than any other faculty members get, okay? Top diversity manufacturers at the 43 of America's top public universities shows that they're all virtually paid at least $100,000, which many of them going above $300,000. So that's where they come up with this average of about $175,000 a year to pay these people, which is, by the way, three times more than the average American salary, you know? Um, and let's see, this says campus reform found that the lowest salary identified was 83,000, a little bit over 83. And that's just twice the American average salary, okay? Um, the American Association of University Professors found that the average professor's salary was about 80,000. So one example is an administrator at Rutgers named George Shemant. Vice Chancellor of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion <laughs> made $250,000 in 2016, while most of the faculty in the same university make about 50 grand. Unbelievable. I mean, where does the money flow? <laughs> 
this social justice crap. If I believed in it, I'd probably make a fortune. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So he said, median salary of tenured professors at Rutgers. This is for tenured professors. Okay. It was about $120,000. So there's about a hundred thousand dollar difference between a tenured professor who's been at Rutgers for a bazillion years as compared to the uh, the Vice Chancellor of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, okay? And so that's where we are with some of that stuff. I mean, colleges are always just absolutely crazy. This, they're absolutely crazy. Um, here's something else. I found an interesting article. I don't know who did this one. Not sure what news thing it came from, but basic, basically, uh, I don't know if you know who Richard Dawkins is, but Richard Dawkins is probably the most famous uh, uh, atheist in the world. He's written tons of books on it, and he's having an issue with some of the colleges now. And um, it's interesting because uh, Richard Dawkins, who is usually the left's baby child because they too do not believe in God, uh, a radio station in California decided that, that the speech that they had planned to, on broadcasting with him was going to be canceled. So this renowned atheist, he had been actually set up to speak at, at an event that was hosted by the Berkeley School. And it was going to be, be on KPFA radio, which I don't know, that might be the, the radio for the college. I don't know what it is. But the speech was pulled. Why? It seems he made some hurtful statements. <laughs> okay, it's not really know what specific remarks really prompted the, the, the cancellation. Um, but they bought, uh, but many of the people there brought to the attention a tweet. These tweets get people in trouble. This is the only tweeting I do. I do my show. I should probably do more. More people would know about me. Um, but basically, uh, uh, he said that Islam was the greatest force for evil in the world today. And uh, he said, look, his issue with Islam with, is with Islamism. It's not with uh, Islams. It's not with Islam itself. Pointing out he's never been barred from any place because he criticized Judaism or Christianity. Never been barred from anywhere. But if he says the same thing about their gods and explains why that is, well, then that's very, very hurtful. Very, very hurtful. It says, uh, the radio station does not endorse hurtful speech. I guess they play Disney cartoons all day. And I guess uh, calling uh, white people racist, that's certainly not hateful speech at all, is it now? Nah. Okay, it says, we apologize for not having the broader knowledge of Dawkins' views much earlier. We also apologize for all those who were inconvenienced by, by the cancellation. And only people really truly inconvenienced are people that may have gotten something out of the conversation. Um, and Dawkins responded in, in, in our, in, to the radio station said, if you had consulted me, or if you have done even a rudimentary fact-checking, you would have concluded that I've never used abusive speech against Islam. I have called Islamism vile. But surely you, all of you people understand that Islamism isn't the same as Islam, which I don't agree with either. That's like, we don't, we, uh, we only hate the Israelis, we love the Jews. Uh, kind of stupid. I could say the same thing. Oh, uh, we, 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 lo we lo love uh, Muslims, we just hate the uh, Muslim extremists. Uh, oh, we love the, the, uh, the um, Italians, we just hate Romans. Uh, so basic, I don't believe in that crap anyway, but basically he's right. He called them out with these isms and he's criticized and ridiculed 
all sorts of things, okay? It says, and here he says, I have criticized the ridiculousness pseudoscientific claims my, made by Islamic apologists and, the, uh, and uh, the opposition of Islamic scholars to evolution and other scientific truths. So just like Christianity and just like Judaism, he lambastes this religion because he thinks that they're evolutionary, they, they forget science, and evolutionary truth means nothing to them. So he thinks their religion is nonsense. He says, I've criticized the appalling misogyny and the homophobia of Islam. He says, I've criticized the murdering of apostates for no crime other than that they don't believe. Amazing that this is a problem, is it not? Far from attacking Muslims, I understand, as perhaps you do not, that Muslims themselves are the prime victims of oppression, cruelties of Islamism, especially Muslim women. Oh my God, they treat women badly. The left doesn't care about that. I mean, unless someone else treats a woman badly, then it's a terrible thing. And uh, then he fumed on saying, I, I, I am known as a frequent critic of Christianity and have never been deplatformed for that. Why do you give Islam a free pass? Why is it fine to criticize Christianity, but not Islam? And those are the questions he's asking. If you have some answers, feel free to give me a call. Number here again, 800-699-0980. Um, you know, I got to tell you kind of my, a little bit of the theory I have about, um, about uh, uh, colleges right now in general, you know, what are they for? What is their purpose? Do you know what I mean? I mean, how come, uh, how, how come, how come they exist as they do today without free speech, without discussion, without all of those things? And again, in your personal life, if things look very weird and they're odd and they make no sense, follow the drugs. In politics and in colleges, the drug is called money. And you just need to follow the drugs. Follow the money. Politics, follow the money. Your own life, follow the drugs. So basically, the purpose of higher education is no longer to educate. Oh, no, 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 no. We way better maybe if they taught people how to read and write rather than to go ahead and this sh crap about majoring in uh, uh, um, gender fluidity or and yoga uh, or something like that. So basically, the purpose of colleges right now is to indoctrinate you with leftist uh, ideology, allow you not to hear any opposing thought and give you some milk and cookies in a safe place, all the while extracting tons and tons and tons and tons of money from you, which is going to be very difficult for you to pay back in the future. And if you're going to graduate with a degree in diversity, that means basically that um, the universities are creating self-fulfilling um, it's like reproduction, you know what I mean? They're creating other people that really are basically can't do a goddamn thing in life. Because once you're out of there and you're in real world, no one really gives a crap about any of that stuff unless they're forced to by the government because the government makes regulations and then, and then you got to follow them or they'll sue you. You're being forced to do that. So basically, I think it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a certain way in that, I mean, if you don't create students that believe this way, who will teach the next generation bullshit? You need someone to teach it. And let's face it, the old adage is true. Those that uh, uh, do, do those that can't teach. 
And of course, the other one is those that can't teach, teach teachers. You know, they're the, they're the ones that, they're, they're the education department, the ones that down, they can't even teach. They can't do a goddamn thing. Um, my undergraduate degree uh, was music. My master's degree is in education. So I know from what I'm speaking about with this. Um, but this is going to be, we have to create a new generation of teachers. You know, when we get older, we want to go ahead and have the, uh, this nonsense uh, continue on. So that's what they do. That's what they do. So to me, college is not what it was supposed to be. It's still being sold as a, as a way basically of uh, going ahead and assuring that you'll get a better job later. But there's not a lot of jobs anymore. The left would like there to be even less. So you are continually at the mercy of the government. That's the whole idea. It's the whole idea. Colleges are part of the Democratic Party. There's only, to me, I've kind of labeled four factions to the Democratic Party. And of course, there are outliers and other people that don't fit in. But basically and generally, you, you, have, the, you have the higher education system. 90% liberal, 90% uh, probably leftist as well as liberal. Starting to be a blurring as to what means what anymore. Um, but the, the, you, you have the colleges. And then, of course, you have the Senate and the, and the House. You know, those people that actually are Democrats. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what their party is for. I mean, their party really is for statism and absolute control of you from cradle to grave. Just like what appeared on, Obama, on the website for the White House under Obama. And you'll get your little room, and you'll get your little plant, and you'll get some food that will allow you to eat, and um, that, that that's that's kind of like uh, the plan there. So if you're that kind of thing. You're a Democrat in 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 the Democratic world in Washington. You're a Democratic person in in uh, some type of position with the Democratic Party. So you have the colleges, and you have the actual Democrats. Okay, thus okay. And after that, the main focus, the biggest arm of the left is the media. They actually call the shots. See, the left, when you hear this crap about, oh, they don't have a, they don't have, they don't know what they're doing. And, and the left really doesn't have an agenda. That's nonsense. They have a, an agenda, definitely. However, if they told you what the agenda was, you would never, ever Vote for them. You'd have to be lied to, like Obama did routinely, and you can keep your you can keep your doctor, and you can keep your hospital, and you can keep your plane. And uh, a video was Benghazi and uh, Clinton. Uh, I only had one. Uh, I only had one device. Oh no, I had eighteen devices. Uh, oh no, there were there was no classified information. Yeah, there was classified information. So you could just it's. It, the Democrats are a continual lying factory as they go to undermine things so that at some point in time they can just swoop in and change things up and you are screwed. So that's the, the third part. And the last part, the Democratic Party to me, those are the people, unfortunately, who are having issues and are on the dole. And um, I got to tell you, when I taught in, in the in public schools in New York City, you already had third and fourth generation welfare. It's not a, not a matter of working or doing anything. That's just how it is. And those people I feel bad for because the Democrats, again, suck up to them, claim to be their buddies when they are the party of hate. I mean, it's, it's really, really kind of nuts, kind of nuts about that. 
Um, actually, I'd like to play something. I, I found a clip that I think might be interesting in that regard, and I'd like you to hear it. So listen to this one. Once upon a time, every student of history, and that meant pretty much everyone with a high school education, knew this. The Democratic Party was the party of slavery and Jim Crow, and the Republican Party was the party of emancipation and racial integration. Democrats were the Confederacy, and Republicans were the Union. Jim Crow Democrats were dominant in the South, and socially tolerant Republicans were dominant in the North. But then, in the 1960s and 70s, everything supposedly flipped. Suddenly, the Republicans became the racists, and the Democrats became the champions of civil rights. Fabricated by left-leaning academic elites and journalists, the story went like this. Republicans couldn't win a national election by appealing to the better nature of the country. They could only win by appealing to the worse. Attributed to Richard Nixon, the media's all-purpose bad guy, this came to be known as the Southern strategy. It was very simple. Win elections by winning the South. And to win the South, appeal to racists. So the Republicans, the party of Lincoln, were to now be labeled the party of rednecks. But this story of the two parties switching identities is a myth. In fact, it's three myths wrapped into one false narrative. Let's take a brief look at each myth in turn. Myth number one, in order to be competitive in the South, Republicans started to pander to white racists in the 1960s. Fact, Republicans actually became competitive in the South as early as 1928 when Republican Herbert Hoover won over 47% of the South's popular vote against Democrat Al Smith. In 1952, Republican President Dwight Eisenhower won the Southern states of Tennessee, Florida, and Virginia. And in 1956, he picked up Louisiana, Kentucky, and West Virginia too. And that was after he supported the Supreme Court decision in Brown versus Board of Education that desegregated public schools and after he sent the 101st Airborne to Little Rock Central High School to enforce integration. Myth number two, Southern Democrats angry with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 switched parties. Fact, of the 21 Democratic senators who opposed the Civil Rights Act, just one became a Republican. The other 20 continued to be elected as Democrats or were replaced by other Democrats. On average, those 20 seats didn't go Republican for another two and a half decades. Myth number three, since the implementation of the Southern strategy, the Republicans have dominated the South. Fact, Richard Nixon, the man who is often credited with creating the Southern strategy, lost the Deep South in 1968. In contrast, Democrat Jimmy Carter nearly swept the region in 1976, 12 years after the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And in 1992, over 28 years later, Democrat Bill Clinton won Georgia, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and West Virginia. The truth is, Republicans didn't hold a majority of Southern congressional seats until 1994, 30 years after the Civil Rights Act. As Kevin Williamson of National Review writes, if Southern rednecks 
ditched the Democrats because of a civil rights law passed in 1964, it is strange that they waited until the late 1980s and early 1990s to do so. They say things move slower in the South, but not that slow. So what really happened? Why does the South now vote overwhelmingly Republican? Because the South itself has changed. Its values have changed. The racism that once defined it doesn't anymore. Its values today are conservative ones, pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-small government. And here's the proof. Southern whites are far more likely to vote for a black conservative like Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina than a white liberal. In short, history has moved on. Like other regions of the country, the South votes values, not skin color. The myth of the Southern strategy is just the Democrats' excuse for losing the South, and yet another way to smear Republicans with the labor racists. Don't buy it. I'm Carol Swain, Professor of Political Science and Law at Vanderbilt University for Prager University. I interviewed Carol a couple of years ago, a really, really smart woman, um, and very, very different. Obviously, a black conservative, not really liked too much, I imagine, by black community, but uh, really, who cares about that? Uh, you know, I, I certainly don't. I don't. And I got to tell you what that means. I know it sounds horrible, I, I, you know, it, but 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 basically, I don't really care about the plight of many people. I'm kind of like, I guess, a nasty guy, or I, I don't know how you define me. I treat everyone with love and kindness until you open your mouth, and then I can make a judgment if I feel like I want to or not. But basically, I don't give a crap about the fact they were slaves in the 1800s. My folks were too busy running away from Russians that were trying to burn down their villages, okay? Um, I don't really give a crap about that. I don't care about this reparations thing. is nonsense, white uh, uh, privilege is bullshit. I never got an extra thing because I was white. Oh, just society lets you go. Oh, you know, that's like saying in 80, there's black pri privilege because everyone's black. I mean, if everyone's how that is, then th there's no privilege. So I was just among a lot of other people and I had to work very, very hard for what I did. And I saw many, many other people and many black people actually get ahead too by working their butts off. That's why I believe in the individual, okay? But I don't really care about these black things in the past and all of that. I want to treat everyone with equality under the law. And that's that. I don't have to buy into anything, as I said earlier. Uh, you know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. You really don't have to. And the kind of crap that you're getting from uh, universities is just un unbelievable. I mean, I'll just go through this. Uh, I couldn't believe this. I pulled here. This is a professor, Georgetown University. He says, all whites are racist. And he really, 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 for reallys, hates cops. Okay. And as I said earlier, I think everyone's a little bit racist. Let's get over it and move on. That's okay. It's okay if you fear someone else. It's okay if you're a white guy and, uh, and eight black folk come uh, walking up the street and you maybe have a little bit of a palpitation. I mean, you know, chances are if you're going to be accosted, it probably would be that way. But we can't speak the truth anymore in post-truth United States. Unless you're like a yutz, like this college professor, then you can spew whatever hate you want, as long as the hate is liberal leftist hate that's allowable. So you say something they don't agree with, and it's hate speech, and they're going to ban you from the university. But this professor can say, all white people are racist, all men are sexist, and all cis people are transphobic. This is another term I don't accept. Cis is like a normal person. You're a guy, you think you're a guy, and you like women. 
that's what they're calling now cis. They give you new labels and redefine the things to go ahead and suit themselves. No, it's bullshit. You're a normal person. Okay. If you're not the, and if you, if you are a normal person, basically you're afraid, according to this moron, you're, you're afraid of, of trans people. And again, I don't give a crap about trans people. Let them live and be well. Just don't bug me and make me pay for crap. Don't inundate my children with nonsense. Don't try to teach them this transgendered horseshit in school and in elementary school. Stop with clinics that go ahead and try to stop puberty from occurring so that the child can figure out what it is they are in their lives. Nonsense. Nonsense. So this guy's Preston, Preston Mitchum, a law professor at uh, Georgetown University, re made, made these remarks. Okay, yes. All white people are racist, and all men are sexist, and all cis people are transphobic. And he looks at that as, gee, we got a lot of work to do. You know, in the 70s, you were allowed to get away with just being accepting, accepting people. You didn't have to go ahead and uh, listen to their lunatic fringe nonsense. You didn't have to pay for things, and, but it's changed now. Now it seems like you have to be... Um, you have to be part of this nonsense to go uh, to, to go ahead and be accepted. And that also is baloney. Folks, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Don't listen to the news that's out there. If you're listening to CNN, ABC, NBC, you're not really getting news at all. You need to sift. Go ahead and go to particular publications to find out certain things in your lives because don't listen to the news media. They would make you think what they want you to think, that this country is falling apart, yet we have the best job reports in, 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 in like a decade. Um, the economy is booming. Stocks are going nuts. A great economy really, really helps. Um, and if things were going that badly, you wouldn't have that. It's just more nonsense to get you to think that things are horrible and horrific and the United States is terrible. And it is not true. It is leftist propaganda that you need to believe for them to rule over you. Okay. So I, and he's talking about cops. Same guy says, I really, 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 really. I says one, two, three, four, five, six. Really? He, he really hates cops. I wonder who he calls if there's like an issue, the breaking in his house. Nicole, Black Lives Matter. I think you should call them up. I'm sure they'll just run. They'll run. Okay. Hate them. The power. The unfettered abuse. The narcissism. I hate them. I hate them. Talking about the cops. I really, really, really hate the cops. What baloney. You know? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what else he says? White people with large have been fed racist thoughts. So you've been fed racist thoughts, you see. He knows that. He knows that I've been fed ra racist thoughts. And that's because there's a lot of unlearning to do. The problem is that people in dominant groups are so used to being defensive that they aren't even taking a step back to even consider that maybe, just maybe the marginalized community is right. What bullshit? <laughs> what does it even mean? Thank you. God, I have someone like this yutz and this moron to help me unlearn my racist intentions. I mean, obviously he knows better than all because he's an elitist college professor, leftist pig. So he knows better than you do. You know, the government knows way better everything that you need than you do. Just don't worry. They're from the government. They're there to help. And of course, with the government, we know Nothing helps. All the government does is do things wrong and waste and squander money. 
That's why Trump was elected. That's why he needs to become successful. And that's why people have to start to support him, write congressmen, write senators, tell them they will not be elected unless they start to get on board. Otherwise, you're going to wind up, God forbid, with a Hillary-like president who you'd have the liar-in-chief just ruining this country and running it into the ground. Obama's job was to create a toilet bowl full of feces, and Hillary's job was to flush the toilet. Thank God it didn't happen. I'm actually rather thrilled it didn't happen. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. I'm sorry I didn't get a phone call from a darn soul, but, uh, you know, I guess... I guess that's just how it is sometimes. Um, so uh, again, this is Michael Blum, and I, I do want to thank everyone who's listened tonight. And let's see here, and and uh, enjoy yourselves this week coming up. You know, I always end each broadcast the same way, pretty much. I always say that uh, basically anything in your life is possible. Fewer things are probable. But one thing is certain, and that is that you are alive. Right now you are alive. So go out and live your life to its fullest. Because tomorrow is never promised to anybody. Thank you so much for listening to The Michael Blum Show. We will not be back next week. I'll try to run a show instead. Take a small vacation, but we will proceed back. Second week in August, we will see you here on The Michael Blum Show. Thank you so much for joining us.